owning us by making it right, by paying the debt for our sins. And that's the source of all of our spiritual blessings. In Psalm 32, it says, You are blessed because I have forgiven your sins. That's God talking. You are blessed because I have forgiven your sins. And all of our blessings come from the atonement that God had for us. The second love is that God loves us with a calling love. Now, it's not the, it's not, remember David when his, when his, um, son Absalom raped his sister, half sister, and, and David kicked him out of the kingdom basically, and then he said, if I'm, Absalom said, if I'm really your, and Absalom did try to overthrow David. We'll put that in there, too. But he said, if I'm really your son, why don't you let me come back? So David said, okay, you can come back, but don't ever let me see your face. That's not the kind of... God didn't atone us to never see us again. He calls us. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless he's called. Nobody comes. And First Peter 2.9 says this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. He calls us. We've done that same thing. We've called people. We have people here on the search and rescue. They're out there calling their name. My dog gets away, I call her name. God calls us. We don't always listen. But He calls us. And it's because He loves us and He demonstrates His love by calling us. If He didn't love us, He would treat us like we treated the people from Las Vegas that want to give us a free trip. We hang up on them and don't ever return any calls from them. If God didn't love us, he would not be calling us. But He loves us to atone us and He calls us to that atonement. And God loves us with a redeeming love. With a redeeming love. And when I was a kid, F&H green stamps were a big deal in our house. We had a store. I know all of you remember that F&H Green Stamp store. You'd take in your, your, well, I should back up. Going through the grocery line, if the clerk forgot to give my mom her F&H Green Stamp, she would remind them that she needed those stamps. And, and she had the books and filled them out. And then we'd go to the store, the F&H Green Stamp store, and redeem them for things. I don't ever remember what we redeemed them for, but we redeemed them for something. And God's love is a redeeming love. It doesn't just save us. It redeems us. It buys us. Uh, Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh 
in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He paid our debt. I was in a grocery store, well, it was a convenience store in Oak Ridge. This guy just happened to be driving through when I was in there. And he went to the cashier, who I knew, and the store owner, who I knew, and said to him, said to them, here's $50. Buy people, at, let that buy as many coffees as it can as people come in. And they both stood there and had no idea what to do with it. I go, should we do that? Well, what if it doesn't average out? I'm going, you got a deal here. This guy's paying for somebody else's coffee. Jesus paid for our sins. He paid for them because we also read in Romans that the wages of sin is death. That's what you get paid for sin is death. And Jesus paid that death. He paid that death on the cross. The fourth one is He loves us with justifying love. With justifying love. Romans 3, you just heard me quote part of it. 23 through 25, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a preparation, a propitiation, thank you, by His blood to be received by faith. See, he doesn't just pay for our sins. He justifies us. That's called a pardon. That's called a pardon. And he did that. God himself, and we've heard that in the Scriptures already, that he came down in sinful flesh even though He was without sin, so that He could die for our sins to justify us, to redeem us, to make us His. And it's only received by faith. It's only received by faith. There, man, 30 years ago, at when Lynn and I, back when our kids were, our two older girls were being born, there was a, a, a pastor, a retired minister in the church 30 years ago. He was 90. And he got up, the, the senior pastor of the church had asked him to um, give a little talk. So he stood up and said, he said, um, there's a man standing out on the sidewalk if you go out there and ask him, he'll give you money. Nobody went. There was a man standing out on the sidewalk, and if you would have gone out and asked him, he would have given you money. That's faith. We can say that God will forgive our sins, but if we don't believe it, we're never going to ask for it. And if we can tell, and we tell people that God forgives their sins, but if they don't believe it, they'll never ask for it. And there's two ways that they'll believe it. One is, if they hear God calling them, and the second one is, they see it in your life. Those are the two ways. But He justifies us. 
And it's by faith that he does that. And then number five is, God loves us with an adopting love. He loves us with an adopting love. How many of you are adopted? Yeah, we're adopted by Him. And in my my years in the ministry, I've heard people say, you know, they, they were feeling bad because they were adopted. Well, my parents didn't love me. But, but the truth is, their parents loved them more because they chose them. You know, as far as kids, you get what you get. But adopting, you get to choose. Okay, and I love my kids very much, by the way. And, and I know we all love our kids very much, but adopting is where you didn't just, because you love your wife or your husband, you have a child. Adopting is you go out and look for somebody and say, I want that one. And so God went out and looked for us and said, I want that one. And the forgiveness of sin that, that we get is not that we become a slave or a servant. We become a child of God. We become a child of God. Uh, Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, Father is, is um, a casual term like dad. Or even more closely like daddy. Where we don't have to stand at arm's length because He is now our Father and we can come to Him. Like, I, I have you know, cell phones you just can't get away from anymore. But there are times, I, there are some calls that I will answer almost all the time and some that will just wait that I call back on. And the ones that I will answer almost all the time are, are named Aaron, Kelsey, Elise, Kyle, Blaine, Lynn. I'll answer them almost all the time because they're my family. They're my kids. They're my wife. And we have that relationship with God. He will answer us all the time because we're His children. He loved us enough to adopt us. He didn't love us enough to save us and then go on His way and forget about us. He loved us enough to adopt us to make us His family. And that inheritance includes salvation, strength, hope, peace, comfort, providence, fellowship, and so much more. We have God's, we have hope in God. We have faith in God. We have strength from God. Because He is our Father, not just our Lord. The sixth love is sanctifying love. You know what sanctify means? It means set apart. 
Uh, there used to be a song back in the, and some of you might remember it back in the 80s, and I can't remember who it was by, um, but the song was, You've Got to Sanctify Yourself. That was the song, You've Got to Sanctify Yourself. I have good news for you. You can't. No matter how good you think you are, you can't. You can't save yourself. You can't sanctify yourself. You can pretend like you are for a little bit, but there is just no way you can because it's still not good enough. God in the Old Testament said, I looked all over the place and couldn't find anybody righteous enough. Nobody. God in the New Testament was the same way. That's why Jesus had to come. Because there was nobody that could do that. So, um, Hebrews 10.10 is the scripture that goes with this. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there, there's two. So let me talk about that. There's two. There is um, positionally and progressively. Positionally, when our sins are forgiven, we are set apart. Our sins have been forgiven. And as we live and, and, and go along, we reach a point where we want to be made holy. And that's sanctified, set apart for. But it's also, let me get this word right, progressively. It's also progressively because as we go along and, and things are good and we've set things apart and the Lord is the Lord of our lives, things will come up that will be dug out of our past that we didn't know about or dug deep out of our hearts that we didn't know about. Because... I can tell you this, you're not perfect. And because we're not perfect, we can have all the right desires. And, and the Lord's the Lord of our lives, but there's things that will come up that we need to give over. And so He keeps working on those. And keeps working on those. And keeps working on those. So as we walk along in our relationship with God and everything's set apart for God, He works on us. He, he chisels us. My family, uh, I guess it's probably mostly my dad and I like to pick up, and we don't anymore, but pick up pretty rocks, you know, and you put them in a tumbler, and, and you tumble them and tumble them and tumble them, and then you change the the sand and tumble them some more, and then you change it to a finer grit, and you tumble it some more, and pretty soon they're all shiny and, and look really good. Nothing like they began with. It's a progress, and you could tumble them till they disappeared completely, and still you wouldn't have all the defects out of them. But look at your life with God sometimes like that. You get tumbled, get the rough edges knocked off. And you give them over to God and ask for forgiveness. And he says, we're good. And you go along and all of a sudden you're being tumbled again. Get a few more edges knocked off. And it's all for God's purpose because 
He not only saves us, He sanctifies us. He sets us apart for something holy. And I will say a lot of times, it's what, what talks to other people is how we respond when we're getting the edges knocked off. That speaks sometimes more to people than anything else. Paul said, we carry this treasure in clay pots. Now, I saw some um, pots from China, or not China, Japan, that had been broken, and they filled and put them back together with gold. So you still saw the cracks. But man, were they pretty pots. And our cracks will show God, because if we're perfect, God doesn't get seen, only we get seen. And His goal is for Him to be seen, not us. And he sets us apart for holy purpose. That's sanctified. And it's because he loves us, not because he enjoys watching us get hurt. It's because he loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have called us, he wouldn't have saved us, he wouldn't have redeemed us, he wouldn't make us his children, he wouldn't sanctify us. If he didn't love us. And then the seventh love that God has, glorifying love. What do you think of that one? 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Glorifying God. When Jesus returns, we're all in heaven. Sin is gone. There's a new heaven, a new earth. No sun, no star, no moon, because all light will come from God. There's no day or night. The sea is no more. I don't know how you salmon fishermen feel about that, but the sea is no more. Then... We get to be with God and be glorified with God. And it's because He loves us that that's the way it is. So how does this all apply to our neighbor? And you know the, the definition, I, well, I don't know if you know, I'll tell you. I know I've said it before. The definition of neighbor that Jesus used was not the person that lives next door to you. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan was the neighbor. Samaritans were hated by the Jews because they were half-breeds. But the neighbor was the enemy. And so we can probably say, when we say neighbor, it's not just our loved ones, the ones we like, it's the ones we don't like too. It's the ones that we have to remember that, oh yeah, Jesus died for them too. We have to remember that. So how does, how does that love that God has apply to those people? The first one is atoning love. How does that love apply with me and those people, or you and those people, or me and you even? He loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. We've got to love Him so much we're willing to give. 
And he didn't send him into the world to judge the world guilty. So my job isn't to say you shouldn't be a duck fan. My job should be, there's a better way. Cougars are always better. <laughs> no. Okay. What it, what it really is, we shouldn't sit in judgment on people because they've done something. We should show them a better way to do it. We should show them grace. We should give them a break. And, and then the calling of? Now, Christmas is coming. It's only six and a half weeks away. Maybe seven. I, could, I didn't look at my calendar exactly, but I know Thanksgiving is two weeks from Thursday. And Christmas is, is 20 days after Thanksgiving. I know that much. I could be wrong. Forgive me, I guess. But anyway, it's not very far away, and, and you know that at Christmas time, and, and the, this will be Lynn's and my fourth Christmas here, right? Third Christmas here? We're two and a, we've been here two and a half years. So it'll be our third Christmas. And at each Christmas, I have given you, leading up to Christmas, a little card for people, to, for you to pray for, to invite to the Hayride, the Kids Program, the Sunshine School Program, the uh, Christmas pro, uh, service that we have on the Sunday before Christmas, and also for for um, the Christmas Eve service. Five things that for you to pray for, to invite people. God's love is a calling love. Who are you calling? Who are you calling to come and know about Jesus Christ? For years, as in three or four years, we heard Elise uh, talk about how great Chick-fil-A was. And finally we got to go to one. And she's right, it's pretty good. Except don't get the grilled nuggets, those are not good. But the rest of it's pretty good. And, and we would have never even considered Chick-fil-A if Elise hadn't been telling us about Chick-fil-A. And you have friends and family that wouldn't even be considering God if you weren't telling them and inviting them and calling their names out of the darkness to come and hear. You can't save them. You can't save them. But if you don't call them, God doesn't have as many opportunities to save them either. And then the number three, God loves us with redeeming love. How can we love others with redeeming love? We can help them repair their relationships, can't we? We can forgive them, can't we? All those things that have been done to us. Can't we forgive them? God's more than willing to forgive us. And we've done far worse things to God than has ever been done to us. And He forgives us. And at the uh, seminar this weekend, um, they were talking about forgiveness. And the example given was, not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison hoping that they'll die. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> and so we need to forgive. We need to forgive. That doesn't mean they become our best friends or anything like that, but we still need to forgive them. And it takes God in us to do it. And then number four is a justifying love. He, he justified us. He made us right. He forgot the past. And I know we can't forget the past, but we don't have to bring it up every time we see him either. We can let bygones be bygones. And then adopting love. He made us his family. How can we do that with other people? Make them our family. Let them into the church. Let them into our lives. It, they no longer become an acquaintance or somebody on the street. We begin a relationship with them. And it's not always easy because they're weird. You know, that's not the kind of people I would hang out with. But some of the nicest people we meet are the ones that we wouldn't hang out with. And we just adopt them into our lives. I to to be diverse, you have to diversify your life. Can't just be us. We gotta let other people in too. And love them. And let them be a part of our lives. And see what God has in that relationship. And see what God has for them in that relationship. One of the uh, reputations that we have in town is that we're a very friendly church. We need to go farther than friendly and make them part of our lives too. And that's the adoptive love that, that God has. The sanctifying love It's a relationship that we don't have so that we can use. It's a relationship that we have because we want. You know, I've had people be my friends because of what I can offer. The prodigal son had lots of friends because he had lots of money, but then he had no friends. And a sanctifying love is a relationship that's set apart for a purpose, not just because I can get something out of it. It's because I want to be there. I want to be a part of this relationship. I want them to know about God. And then the last one is the glorifying one. With a glorifying love, Jesus put it this way, don't store for yourselves uh, treasures here on earth. Where thieves can steal, rust can eat, can deteriorate, and moths can eat up, but store for yourself treasures in heaven. 
you know what treasures in heaven are, right? It's people. It's not the size of your mansion. It's not the street in heaven that you get to live on. It's people. And we have to think past the 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years that we have here. We've got to think past that too forever. When there is no more sun, there are no more stars, all light comes from the throne of God. There is no sea. Do you know why that's in there, by the way? Because in Jewish tradition, is all evil came from the sea. The Mediterranean Sea. All the bad storms came from the Mediterranean Sea. Everybody that invaded came from the sea. There is no more sea. There is no more evil to come. It's all good. It's all God. And don't we want our, our friends and family and our loved ones to be there? Don't we want to share that kind of love with them instead of pointing out the things that they have not that they're not doing right. But we get to be with them forever in heaven. And who knows what language they're going to speak in heaven. I know we think it's going to be English. But who really knows? But I know we'll understand it. All of us. And don't we want not just our loved ones to be there, but don't we want those people that we've had to forgive to be there too? You know, He didn't just die for us. He died for everybody. He didn't just die for the victims. He died for the victimizers as well. And how amazing will it be when we get there and we see those people that we have forgiven or had to forgive there because God forgave them too. God loves us. And because He loves us, we need to love others the same way that He loves us because we are the reflection of God in the universe today. That's us. And if somebody looks at you that knows you, can they say, I see God? Because God has loved us in those seven ways they're amazing ways, by the way. And we need to remember that He not only forgives us, He calls us. And He adopts us. And He glorifies us. We need to remember that. But He wants to do that to others too. And we need to love just like that. Because it's love. You know the old song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I suggested that it be one of our praise songs. <laughs> and we can all sing along. But we need the love of Jesus Christ. We need to remember First John, those three words in the middle of verse that says, God is love. And because He loves us, we get to love others. So my question to you is, who do you need to love like this? And then the second question is, and when are you going to start? We all know what we need to do. We don't always want to start. It's kind of like when Lynn says, Randy, you need to go to the doctor. I go, yep, I probably do. 
and never go. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Who do you need to love like this, and when are you going to start? And I suggest very strongly that you ask God to give you the strength. And then I suggest very strongly that you take the step and do it. You'll be so surprised. You'll be so surprised what happens. Relationships are mended. People that haven't talked for years talk again. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons all begin talking again. And God saves. Let's stand together and, and pray. Lord, I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you that it isn't just love, but it's love in action. And Lord, help us to love that way too. Whether we have to do it with somebody here in the church or somebody at home or somebody in our past or somebody in our future, please help us to love like you do. Give us the courage. We already know who we have to love. Give us the courage to do that, Lord. Give us the courage to honor you. And I ask that you keep calling us and that you lay names on our hearts that we can call to. Especially during this time of Christmas that seems to be approaching quickly. Help us to take advantage of the opportunity of your grace and your mercy and your coming down on earth to share that with other people. And Lord, be blessed today in all that goes on. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen.